Welcome to Carson Sack Podcast, where we talk balls. Before I get into anything, I have to give a shout-out to the boys of Delt. Moving to 5-0 and after they picked the Jags and the Patriots last week on the Dump Sack Pick of the Week. They are 5-0. and Boys, get your noses ready because you have a lot coming your way. Keep it locked in and keep up with the Delt Sack Pick of the Week because obviously these boys are on a roll and they just keep coming and coming. Delt's 5-0 and on the Dump Sack Pick of the Week. This week's episode of Carson Sack is brought to you again by the wonderful people at Jewel. Jewel is beautifully designed, compact, and portable. Jewel stands out among vaporizers and e-cigs as a genuine alternative designed for smokers. If you'd like to try switching from smoking cigarettes to Jewel, try our vaporizer starter kit. To get 10% off of the starter kit, use promo code SACK, S-A-C-K, at checkout for 10% off the vaporizer starter kit. Hello, ladies, gents, and everything else. This is the 27th episode of Carson Sack Podcast, where we talk balls. I am so glad you are listening and tuned in. We have a special guest today in the studio, Donovan Hester. And why is he here? Because like everybody else that asks, hey, can I be on your show? I tell him, just text me Monday or (laughs) Tuesday, and I will work something out with you where you can be on it. So... Donovan is the first person to ever text me, so like a man of my word, I let him on. We're going to talk some college football with him, and we're going to dive headfirst into the college football. Anything you want to say to the listeners before we get going? I just want to say, after uh, bugging you for a while to get on, it's a, it's an honor to be on the uh, 27th episode of the, the Sack to talk balls with you. I uh, can't wait. Really looking forward to it, Carson. Before we get to all that, though, of course, we have to look back at the week it was, and there are five Pretty freaking important games that happened. First one, yeah, the first-ranked Georgia Bulldogs going to the 10th-ranked Auburn Tigers. Auburn just kicked the shit out of them, dominated the ball, both sides of it. Auburn wins this one 4-17. Carry on Johnson, the back for Auburn, ran for 167 yards and then caught a 55-yard touchdown from Stidman. And Auburn, just on the defensive side of the ball, there was no running lanes for Georgia and Nick Chubb, the talented back, which forced Fromm to come in, throw deep balls, throw passes that he's not used to being down, and it just showed that his style of quarterbacking is game manager-esque. Fromm was only had 184 yards and a touchdown. Chubb, 11 carries for 27 yards, so they shut him down. He did have a touchdown, but... Auburn huge win surprising win to some but it was at Auburn and it was a big game Auburn tends to show up in games like that Dono thoughts on this anything you want to add yeah I mean I'm a big believer in Georgia this year and I knew going into Auburn that's a that's a tough game and you know the Georgia team of the past is going to lose that game I thought they would lose Saturday but I didn't expect them to get the shit kicked out of them as they did uh Auburn looked like the real deal and Georgia looked pretty pathetic I thought Nick Chubb was just the fact that they shut him down like the way they did. I mean, I don't know if Auburn can go beat Bama. I mean, the uh, Iron Bowl is out Auburn, so Auburn's going to have to, you know, pull that uh, that uh, when they return the field goal. Like, I think something like that's going to have to happen if they're going to beat Bama because I think Bama's the real deal. But Auburn, people sleep on them. And, you know, if they can go out and uh, win out, which I think is very capable, they're capable of doing. But, uh, I mean, that game against Bama, I can't wait for that next week. Moving on to the next game, it's another SEC matchup, and it was a game that shouldn't be as close as it actually was. 
The uh, number two Alabama Crimson Tide, now number one after the new poll rankings, went to 16-ranked Mississippi State Bulldogs, and the game just shouldn't have been as close as it was. Alabama played very uncharacteristic. They had some stupid penalties, a couple turnovers, and then they let Williams, the back from Mississippi State, get 97 yards and two touchdowns. That's just not happening on Alabama's defense with how good the run defensive is. And then the way that Mississippi State, I thought, was going to have to win this game was Nick Fitzgerald was going to have to have a big game. He only had 158 yards through the air. On the other side of the ball for Alabama, Jalen Hurts, 242 yards and one touchdown. So he's progressing and putting up bigger numbers at quarterback. Damian Harris only had eight carries but made the most of those with 80, 93 yards and a touchdown. And then Ridley, he's a stud wide receiver, probably one of the best in the country and just flies right under the radar because of all the talent that Alabama does have but he gets five receptions and 171 yards for the Crimson Tide who now after this win and the Georgia loss move up to number one in the playoff rankings Dono anything you want to add here again yeah I mean going into this game I thought it would be good uh Mississippi State this is the game of like a decade for them because I mean I know they're number one with Dak Prescott but to have Alabama come in top four uh Mississippi State was 16 you know they could beat Alabama that would just cause fucking mayhem in this college football playoff and I was hoping the whole game that State would pull it off just for uh, Stingray Steve and uh, just the, the cowbells and of Mississippi State, uh, Starkville. I mean, you, you wake up, you know, you have that tough loss in Alabama and you're still living in Starkville. I mean, it's just got to be a shitty time to be a State fan. Uh, but, you know, State's, State's really good this year. You know, having them beat the shit out of Kentucky the, the way they did a couple weeks ago, it made us look better. And I knew watching that game that State State's pretty good. I mean, they gave Bama all they could, but uh, Bama obviously – the better team and Jalen Hurts I mean talk about a guy that's just a competitor and a winner really I mean he's just a typical Alabama quarterback I hate Jalen Hurts <laughs> I know you do fuck next game on the slate was a big big 12 matchup that was going to not only affect the college football playoff rankings but the race for the big 12 title game you had the sixth ranked TCU Horn Frogs going to the fifth ranked Oklahoma Sooners and Baker Mayfield Baker Mayfielded. He had 333 yards for the air, three touchdowns. On the other end, though, for Oklahoma, Rodney Anderson had 290 yards from scrimmage and four combined touchdowns. Had 151 on the ground and 139 through the air catching the ball and that's something you need to keep an eye on because if Baker Mayfield and Oklahoma can get a second weapon to complement Mayfield then they're going to be pretty dangerous because last year when they had P. Ryan and Mixon that helped them open up the offense a little bit too so if that can continue to progress for Oklahoma and they can add that second weapon they're going to get even more dangerous with Mayfield with Anderson and then that pretty good slept on defense on the other end of the team's Kenny Hill, I'm still a big fan, but he has not performed in big games recently. Only 270 yards and one touchdown. And then Anderson for TCU at the start of the year and through the middle of the year was thought, I thought, was one of the best backs in the country. And he put up the numbers to show that he was, but he's only declined since the Iowa State game, really. And he only had seven carries, which little problematic because he is such a good runner and if you only get seven opportunities you're it's hard to do so much only only 42 yards and one touchdown so like I said TCU falls to Oklahoma I was very high on TCU but this being their second loss and even though both of their losses are to two top 15 teams it's 
Looks like their season is just going to be a little bit of disappointment. Not going to make the Big 12 championship game. And clearly not going to make the playoff. Dono, give me something on this game. You know, the only thing I really have to add uh, that you said is Baker Mayfield. I mean, the kid's a fucking stud. I mean, I don't know how you feel about him. I mean, going into uh, Ohio State, murdering the Buckeyes, uh, planting the flag in midfield. I mean, I absolutely love the kid. Uh, I love his swagger. Uh, I love also his handlebar uh, mustache. And when he got rid of that, I was kind of worried about uh, the Sooners this week. Uh, I thought... The Horned Frogs might come in and surprise them, but Baker Mayfield does uh, what Baker Mayfield does, and uh, Oklahoma looks really good. I think if they win out, uh, they're going to be in the playoffs, and I think they will. Baker Mayfield, you brought that up. Uh, fantastic dancer. I'm sure you all have seen the yes, Twitter video yes. of him uh, hitting the nay-nay and whatnot. And if you follow him on Instagram, he's a great follow. He showcases his girlfriend pretty well. But uh, with all that being said, I would love to get the Sooners again. Oklahoma, Ohio State in the playoff. Ohio State would come back. It's hard to beat Urban two times in one year, and it just doesn't fucking happen. The next game, the final game on the slate, was the Saturday night 8 o'clock game. It was billed as the Catholics versus the Convicts, and really there's only one way to describe this game. And if you couldn't gather from that, Miami came out and spanked Notre Dame, took them to confessional booth and touched them places they didn't want to be touched. <laughs> Notre Dame falls to Miami 8-41. to And the big thing in this is so many players from Miami stepped up in big games, not only on the defensive side of the ball, but on the off- offensive side of the ball where they've been a little questionable at times this year. They haven't been as explosive as you would think a undefeated team would be. But Malik Rozier threw for a touchdown and then ran for another. And then DJ Dallas ran for two scores. And then Homer, the other running back for Miami, he had 18 carries and 100. 48 yards so Notre Dame's defense they're pretty good against the run and Notre Dame is obviously thought as one of the best running teams in the country Miami gave them a little bit of the taste of their own medicine Notre Dame they did lose Wimbush and then they had to bring in the backup and that just wasn't going to help um Kelly actually took out Wimbush, which Brian Kelly is one of the only coaches which is dumb enough to take out (laughs) the starting quarterback after like two interceptions or two bad decisions and throw in the backup and have him throw two more interceptions and say, hey, maybe I should have put back in the starter because this other guy sucks, which just totally loses the starter's confidence. Um, Adams for Notre Dame. Probably one of the best backs in the country as well. 16 carries, so he had some opportunities, but only 40 yards. Like I said, Miami's defense was flying around to the ball. They got some turnovers, which obviously they got to wear the turnover chain, which is just a a lovely touch. It's going to probably bring in a ton of recruits for them. But Notre Dame loses this one pretty big. Dono, let me know about this game too. Well, I'm glad you mentioned Brian Kelly because fuck that guy. Uh, Dude's a boner. He Ever since he left Cincinnati, I've hated him so much. Uh, To see his fucking face when he was just getting obliterated on the road against Miami was awesome uh you know Notre Dame this year I was just I mean they had a tough loss against Georgia I was waiting for them uh to blow another game coming into Miami the way Miami's been playing uh it's like 1990 fucking five there I mean there's no way Notre Dame was winning this game when you saw Ed Reed on the sidelines with the the turnover chain you knew it was over from the beginning uh Notre Dame really didn't have a chance in this they got spanked uh, pretty enjoyable to see Miami back. It's uh, I miss them, honestly. Uh, they've been bad for so long, uh, and it's it's kind of cool to have another team in the mix. Um, I mean, Miami is – I mean, they look 
like the most dominant team, I think, in the top four right now. I mean, Alabama obviously uh, is so dominant, but Miami, just the way they manhandled Notre Dame, really impressed me, and uh, I'm really looking forward to see them play. Uh, if they went out and play Clemson in the uh, ACC championship, I think that'll be a fucking great game. And also, let's not let this 41-8 victory distract us from the fact that Brian Kelly let a child for him on the assistant coaching staff or something like that fall from a crane about yeah. 30 feet down. And I don't know if he passed away. God rest his soul. If he oh, he's did. dead. Yeah, oh, he's, he's dead. Okay, oh, he's dead, well, as, he's dead as a doorman. R.I.P. You, you don't deserve that, especially for that shithead Brian Kelly. Fuck Brian Kelly. Moving on now to this week's slate of games, there's really not that many good games. Actually, there's only one game because the SEC decides to take their second fucking bye week this week and schedules games like Mercer and fucking St. Mary's Judas Blind School, some shit like that. (laughs) So the only big game this week pretty much is Michigan going to Wisconsin. Michigan 24th in the country. Wisconsin 5th in the country. All year, the knock on Wisconsin is they haven't really played anybody, which is really holding them back to cracking the top four into the college football playoff. Michigan, the teams that they have played, they haven't really played up to what they should. They're, they win games they're supposed to, and they lose games that they're supposed to, sitting at 8-2 and two on the year. I think this at Wisconsin is not really a statement victory for Wisconsin because, I mean, Michigan's only 24th in the country. They haven't really beat anybody, but Wisconsin obviously knows if they want to make the playoff, they have to win out, and they need to start putting up some style points, which definitely means they need to start winning games. But I think by at least 17 to 20 more points than what they have been. So I expect the power run game, as always, those corn-fed boys up front for Wisconsin to dominate, get the running back into the end zone, I'm going to say four times, and get him over probably 120 yards for them. Uh, Taylor has only had 219 carries this year, but has over 1,500 yards and 12 touchdowns. So look for him to have a big game, and I just don't think Michigan is going to have enough firepower, honestly, and the way Wisconsin does play, they control the clock, they control ball control, and that's just going to be pretty difficult for Michigan to take advantage of the opportunities they might have. So, Dono, give me some input on this Big Ten showdown. Uh, I think I like Wisconsin. If it was at the Big House, I would like Michigan just because I feel like Michigan has been so underwhelming this year uh, that you know you expect Harbaugh to go out there and get a big win. Uh, I don't think it'll be against Ohio State. So Wisconsin is the game that... Uh, I think Harbaugh's going to throw out some magic, and we're going to see a very close game, uh, even if it's in Madison. Uh, Wisconsin, though, I mean, I feel like they're in this position every year. Uh, they're hovering around uh, the top five, top six. They're five right now. Um, obviously, they have to win out to get in. I mean, I love Wisconsin just because I love the, the white athlete. Uh, I mean, they have probably 75% of their team is uh, white, which I love. Um, so I like Wisconsin in this game. I think it's going to be close. But, yeah, I think Wisconsin, in the end, uh, they're going to end the fourth quarter, run the ball down Michigan's throat, and Michigan's just not going to have the firepower on offense to uh, mount up a comeback. And I think Wisconsin win this game by 10, 14. Just to build on that white man, Wisconsin is white man you. If you want to succeed in any sport and you are a white man and you have an offer from Wisconsin – <clears throat> Tyler Hero. Tyler Hero, baby. Let's you go. You just go to Wisconsin and you succeed and flourish and become a well-rounded player and get taken early in the second round of any draft, mostly basketball. But that wraps up the Wisconsin-Michigan talk. And now we are going to get into probably the biggest game of Mark Stoops' career, Georgia hosting 
the University of Kentucky Wildcats. Georgia coming off that loss last week to Auburn. I'll tell you what, a lot of people have been saying they're going to come out pissed off, ready to play. Uh-uh. I don't think that's going to case. Oh. I think Georgia is going to be licking their wounds. Oh. I think they're going to feel down for themselves. I think Kirby Smart hasn't really had to deal with this much adversity with the disappointment that he had last week. I'm interested to see how he's going to have his team respond. I don't think it's going to be well. The only way I really see Kentucky winning this, though, is if Benny Snell gets about 40 carries, um, rushes for 200 yards, six touchdowns. But what could be nice is if we get Steven Johnson mixed into that a little bit. Maybe he gets around 100 yards, gets three touchdowns on the ground, maybe two touchdowns through the air. And then the defense, we're going to have to force turnovers, which they were able to do against Vanderbilt, but... Two totally different offenses from Vanderbilt to Georgia. Georgia a lot more efficient, a lot better. Not going to say UK is going to pull off the upset by any means. I think it'll probably be close for at least a quarter and a half. But then Georgia, just the better team, obviously the better team, pulls away, beats UK. At the spread right now, do you know what it is? Like 21? It's like 20-something. I'm... I'd get ballsy enough to throw money on the Cats covering, so that's mine, but ultimately Georgia does win this. Let's say by by 18 or 20, but not 21 and a half. Dono, let me know how you think the Cats are going to fare down in Athens. All right, I'd like to, you know, you said earlier that Georgia's going to come out pissed. I think they are. Uh, To get abused like they did on the road against Auburn in the best year they've had in a while. I think they're going to come out with fire. Uh, And that's going to be unfortunate for UK. But people forget the last time that UK was 20-plus point underdogs on the road against a top-10 team. Do you remember uh, the team we played? Um, It was last season. Fuck, no. He, he, He did the Heisman. He fumbled. Oh, Lamar, God. Lamar, Lamar fucking Jackson and Louisville's best season uh, were like 28-point uh, favorites. Uh, Kentucky went on the road, stunned Louisville. Um, Kentucky, I think Eddie Grant is going to draw up the most diabolical uh, offensive play play calling that we've seen this year. Uh, I mean, the things he did against Vanderbilt, I mean, he tore them to shreds. It was great to see uh, UK play so well last week. Um, when I was really nervous coming into the game, uh, I thought uh, we would struggle against Vandy considering their, their quarterback's really good. He's only thrown three interceptions the entire year. We forced three interceptions the first half. Uh, and they have Edo Smith, a uh, top ten running back all time with SEC yards. So we really shut them down. And I was prou- proud of the defense. I don't think we'll be able to do it again this week. Obviously, if we create turnovers uh, four, five, I think we can make a run and make this really close game. Obviously, Steven Johnson, you think about it, this is his last big game, I believe, as a Wildcat. You know, facing a Georgia team, top 10, on the road, coming off the tough loss last year when Georgia hit that game-winning field goal at Commonwealth Stadium. I think Kentucky's going to come out with fire with uh, Steven Johnson. I think Steven's going to have a great game. Benny, I mean, the guy has like nine touchdowns the last three games, like 500 yards, something like that. I mean, he's dominating this season. Feed Benny the ball. Get Lynn Bowden the ball. I think the Cats can make this close game. You know what? Fuck it. I'm saying it. Cats go on the road, stun the Bulldogs in Athens, and we can start talking about the University of Kentucky flirting with this uh, this playoff thing. How about that? <laughs> Dono, if that happens and UK <laughs> does pull off the upset, I promise you the November 30th 
the first Thursday after this, the first Thursday I'm 21, if I see you out and you request a John Wall shot or a drink, I will personally buy anybody that comes up to me and ask because I just don't think the Cats I have fuck, this one I in them. I fucking love it. It'll be, it'll be, I'm, I'm excited to see what the Cats do, just to see what this team's made of. Um, yeah, it'll be great to see if them, them upset the Bulldogs, but we'll see. So now we talk college football playoff, and we are getting down to the nitty-gritty. Only three weeks left, counting uh, conference championship week, left in the college football season. Last night, the college football playoff did release its rankings for week 12, and that comes out. Alabama 1, Clemson 2, Miami jumps to number 3, Oklahoma finds its way in at 4, and then sorry. and then Wisconsin sits at five, just on the cusp of making it. Auburn makes the jump from ten to six. Georgia falls from one to seven. Notre Dame falls from three to eight. Rounding out the top ten, two Big Ten teams: Ohio State and Penn State. Now, before we get into one through five, me and Donna are going to look at six through ten, and what he wanted to discuss is a pretty good topic. He wanted to know which team from the six through ten has the chance of sneaking in. Let's just start with Auburn right off the bat. They have a bye week pretty much this week, but then they host Alabama in the Iron Bowl. If they win that, do they? They don't make the. Yeah, they do. Right? No. Do they make the SEC championship game? They don't. No, because Alabama would have one, one loss. In the SEC West. So I just think it's going to be pretty difficult without being the SEC champion to put them in, but I just don't foresee it happening, honestly. Your thoughts on Auburn? Yeah, and I think Auburn is a really good team. I just don't I don't think there's any possible way of them getting in just because even if you beat Alabama – uh, you're obviously not going to go to the SEC championship. I don't think you can put a team that doesn't even play in the SEC championship in. Uh, when you talk about Georgia, right behind them at seven, If I know they got killed by Auburn. They can win out. I mean, they play Kentucky, and then they play, uh, fuck. Who, Georgia Tech, right? Georgia no. Tech, which, I mean, they should win. Uh, people forget about the option, and option stuff. It's hard to prepare, especially on a week uh, yeah, like that. You, one week notice, it's hard. Yeah, UK, I found that out last year. But, um, you know, the odds of Georgia going to the SEC championship and beating Bama are very slim. I just, I mean, that's a game Georgia just, just can never pull off. So, Georgia and Auburn, I, I feel like both teams are going to be knocking on the door. Especially, I mean, you talk about Auburn beating Bama. I mean, obviously there's going to be conversation with them getting in. I just don't think how you can with two losses. Um, but both Auburn and Georgia, great teams. I just don't think that either one can get in. Uh, they would have to, I mean, Georgia would have to pull a miracle beating uh, Bama and Atlanta, which I just don't think is possible. Okay, so let's throw this scenario out there. Georgia obviously is going to go to the SEC championship game. Let's say Auburn does beat Alabama. That's a one-loss team versus a one-loss team in the SEC championship game. And let's say it is right down to the wire, and if Alabama did lose to Auburn, they're a top six team. And if Alabama does lose to Georgia, by the time they get there, they'll probably be a top six or stay at seven. Do you just kick Alabama completely out if both of those games are close? Or do you try and justify them being in? I don't think you can justify that because the wins they have previously before those two really big games are just not good enough. Their best win would be against LSU, and they're barely in the top 25 right now. Mississippi they're sitting State. at 20. I mean, Mississippi State, yeah, but I who, mean, who, have they, who have they beaten this year besides 
Kentucky. Kentucky, yeah. But didn't they? <laughs> they beat LSU, and like I said, LSU isn't really that to me that quality of a win. Coach O, gumbo? No, not. Thomas? See, his gumbo's like a little pipe, little. little did pipe. you uh, Did you see the uh, story of him eating uh, in the eighties when he was strength yes, conditioning? Yes, coleslaw, coach, just coleslaw. Drinking it out of a glass. I mean, that is a fucking legend. That's right not there. my style. No, but coleslaw it, stinks, no. by the way. But also, if you go to Canes and you don't substitute an extra toaster fries a, for coleslaw, you're a fucking maniac. Just go fucking home. Now we move to the other conference that is dominating the top ten, the Big Ten. Wisconsin sits at five, and then Notre Dame, not Notre Dame, Ohio State. Notre Dame wishes they were in the Big Ten. <laughs> Ninth and tenth goes Ohio State and Penn State. If Wisconsin wins out, meaning they beat Michigan, and then they end up beating whoever comes out of the other Big Ten division, which more than likely would be Ohio State. If they do that, I think it's pretty difficult to hold Wisconsin out of the college football playoff, especially if by some chance they end up beating Ohio State convincingly. I mean, obviously not 59 to whatever the hell Ohio State did in 2014. That's just super unrealistic to think of Wisconsin doing that. Penn State, I think they're definitely out of the college football playoff discussion because they can't even really make the Big Ten championship game, and you would need that on a resume with two losses. The real interesting thing here is Ohio State. A lot of people are saying, oh, they still have a chance, which I think is just pretty mind-boggling to happen because they just beat Michigan State 48-3, dominated that game. Michigan State's loss has all come against pretty good teams, but none of them have really blown out the Spartans like Ohio State did. If Ohio State wins out, they find themselves in the Big Ten championship game against Wisconsin, who at worst more than likely will be fifth in the country. People are saying if Ohio State beats them like they did in 2014, they could somehow sneak their way into the playoff, but they have a lot that needs to happen for them to get in. And just like in 2014, they got a ton of help. The committee put in Ohio State over TCU, who didn't win a conference championship game because they didn't even have one. So just in that factor, Ohio State went out and have some help ahead of you. You obviously do have a chance, but I just think it's pretty slim to none. Donovan, thoughts on this Big Ten takeover of the top ten? Well, I fucking hate Ohio State, and people that know me know that. Uh, I know you're big Hold on, hold on, hold on. You, you're the Cincinnati's <laughs> coach, where you're from, who you claim to be a fan of, which uh, that's allegedly. I've never seen what? you. I've never a Cincinnati se- I've, you I've never seen serious? you in one, e- one Cincinnati gear, but... Oh, who, I have Austin Robinson wearing jersey. Oh, I wear probably whoopsie every dude. two weeks. Who is, uh, that's basketball, not football. Oh. But let me ask you a question. Who no is, wears football who is Cincinnati's football head coach? Right now? Yeah. Luke Fickle. Yeah, right? and what did he do? He started, well, he had a record of coach, he, right. interim coach, but was the linebacker coach for forever. And he had the record before this week of most consecutive games played. Shout out Billy Price for breaking that. But he's just an Ohio State reject, and Cincinnati gladly welcomed him. So that's all I'm going to say about that. All right, and that's fine. Let's go uh, Bearcats. Cincinnati, Cincinnati football is a fucking shit show. They just, they're like, I think, what are they, three and seven this year? They can't win a game in the American there, that's a whole other. We don't have to. Talk but hold on, hold on. Once Desmond Ritter, Sanex grad, finally gets the reins and gets to be under center for the Bearcats, watch that team take off. Give it in two and a half years, Desmond Ritter will find his hands under the center's balls, and he is going to turn that program around. So now back to what we were talking: Big Ten <laughs> in the top ten. Yeah. So Ohio State, I feel like I have to ask you 
Ohio State's in this fucking position every year. They have a, a, a loss to a Big Ten team, kind of like Iowa. Last year was what? Uh, Michigan was, State or Penn State? It was Penn State at Penn State on a bullshit block kick. All right, that's fine. Uh, but every year, Ohio State is like, oh, are we going to get in? You know, we're floating around 10. And every year, I feel like you guys do. Y'all get help. Y'all, you know, face Wisconsin in the Big Ten uh, championship. Wisconsin's never going to win that game. Are you serious? If Ohio State plays Wisconsin for, to go to the playoff, you think – they're losing that game right now? No. no chance. The closest Wisconsin's been to beating us in the past couple of years was at Wisconsin, I believe, last year. And we went to overtime. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Then I remember that game. Barrett threw it to uh, Noah Brown in the corner on a comeback route. One of the best passes I've seen thrown in my 20 years on wow. this earth. Wow. But what is super hard as an Ohio State fan to realize and come to grips with is Urban Meyer – kind of underperformed so far only one national championship which i'm totally fine with that undefeated season in his first year but we couldn't go to a bowl but the reason i say underperformed is every year it's so difficult being such a top program where your expectation is national championship or bust i you probably wouldn't know anything about that but i'm a kentucky fan okay well basketball totally different sport total kentucky fan changing to basketball but (laughs) The thing with Ohio State is, yeah, this does happen, and what helps us out a lot is always being in contention to win the Big Ten Championship, and then the name recognition, people say that doesn't play a part in who is going to go to the college football playoff, but it definitely does, because bigger names, bigger ratings, more money that is going to be made for the NCAA, and anybody that thinks that is just not the case, it really is, because all the NCAA is, is a business, and they want to succeed, so... Ohio State really is in this position a lot. I'm pretty sick of it. I wish they would just win all their games. It'd be a lot simpler if they did do that. I wouldn't have to worry so much. But like you said, in this position a lot, but I don't think it works out for the Buckeyes this year. Um, I have to add one thing. I mean, it's been a while. I think it's been, what, four, five years since Urban Meyer has uh, faked a heart attack. Uh, Do you think if he loses to Jim Harbaugh in the big house, do you think it's time to – to go to one knee and grab that chest. I mean, we're, he's due. He's due. Uh, he goes to one knee. He makes one phone call to a one Mr. Tebow, brings him in, and they Tebow together, and Tebow helps turn this program moderately around. Uh, Is Tebow Ms. still playing baseball, by the way? I hope not. He doesn't <laughs> need to, but let him come be a, an advisor or a quarterback coach and watch us flourish but no we're not thinking a heart attack urban just needed a year off to spend time with some family which he did then fucking say that okay well he couldn't because he didn't want to be labeled a pussy so that was that and he kind of got tired of nick saban kicking his ass but since he has come back he is one and oh against nick saban all i have to say about that now to round up our top 10 discussions. We have to look at the ACC and the number two and number three team in the country. Clemson moving up from four to number two, and then Miami moving up from, where were that, 10 or eight? Seven. Seven. How about that? I got it fucking wrong. Moving up from seven to three after the big win against Notre Dame. Both of these teams are set to face each other in the ACC championship game. Miami has a few more cupcake games on the schedule, just like Clemson. What is a little baffling to me is... Miami has beat the same teams Clemson has besides Auburn, which big win early on in the year, though. Auburn was still trying to find itself, didn't have an identity on offense or defense. So I I understand that is maybe why they're ahead of them, but Miami has zero losses. And 
the, what pisses me off about the argument why Clemson is still so high is they didn't have Kelly Bryant, their starting quarterback. You can't take that into account. I really don't think you can. Other players can step up and fill in, and Syracuse is not that good of a team. I understand no. it was at Syracuse, but that really isn't that big of a home yeah, environment, really. Yeah, you think really. the Carrier Dome is uh, a tough place to play, you're an idiot. Like, And then... I mean, they had freaking Greg Paulus yeah. play quarterback for them a couple of years ago. There, not a lot of history of great football played at Syracuse. Donovan McNabb. Donovan, didn't they have the, uh, they had the bus? Did no, no the bus had, went to Notre Dame. No, okay, different bus then. Ernie, right? Oh no, he went to. Uh, Oh yeah, Davis. Yeah, he went to Syracuse. Did he play the wrong? Did he play the wrong? He was a yeah, lax bro too. Oh yeah. Uh, first black guy to play lacrosse. How about that? <laughs> but these two teams, like I said, on the collision course to play in the ACC championship game. Okay, say Clemson wins that. Is Miami? In? Miami's out. How can I get the whole Auburn victory? But everybody, else, well. I see your side, but for Miami to have the okay, say it's a close loss, yeah, and the only that's their only loss. Say it's a six to three point loss, yeah. close the entire game. I think yeah, they won't have the conference championship on the record, but they have beat the same teams right. that Clemson has, and they didn't lose to a shitty Syracuse team. They lost to right now the number two team in the country. So I. I think Miami is like ultimately if they do last game is out, but it's going to be a hard to justify that to me at least. Well, and I but the thing is you got to look at is if we're doing these conference uh, championships, like if the winner doesn't get in, like you can't have Clemson and Miami. I don't think. Well, then why could you have Georgia and Alabama? In? That's a possibility. Yeah, it is, but you. Uh, the thing is with the conference championships, if you're gonna. I think, obviously, you can't have... I think most years, sometimes you're going to get uh, two SEC teams in. Sometimes you're going to get two Big Ten teams in. But the thing is, if you're going to have this ACC... I think they play a pretty weak schedule, honestly. They I do. Mean, yeah, they, they do. do. So, if you're going to have two teams in the top four, and you know Clemson loses to... has a terrible loss at Syracuse, I, I don't think you can, you can put Clemson in if... Uh, if they lose, I don't think you can put Miami in if they lose because, you know, they, they haven't had that bad Syracuse loss, but what are their marquee wins? You know, Clemson and Notre Dame. So it's like, it, th- see, this is such a shit show, and I this is why I wish we could just go to, like, an eight-team playoff and cut down to ten games a year. Take two Oh, cup- I don't know about that. Take two cupcake games away and go to eight No, you got to keep those because it helps. Dude, it's just Not so everybody's confusing. playing cupcake games, though. Yeah. And the other thing is... But, dude, I mean, every team plays at least two cupcakes. But the Okay, that's fine. But the other thing is, why would you cut out the 9 and 10 team? They're clearly good enough to be in the top 10, and the top 10 teams, I feel like, could beat each other on any given day. I understand maybe, like, 11 through 16, that'd be pretty difficult. A one yeah. playing the 16th team in the country, that that's just probably not going to happen, that upset. But right. any big... Any top 10 team could beat any other top 10 team, I feel like. That's true. So let's expand it to 10, have a buy for the one and two, and just let that go. So I'd be down for that. So now I propose this to you. If Alabama loses to Georgia, are they in? Because, I mean, they would have to beat Auburn, and apparently beating Auburn is just the fucking best thing, the best uh, feather in your hat that you could have, (laughs) which is why Clemson, I think, is so high. But. So Alabama loses 
to Georgia, which, okay, sure. Do you throw Alabama in there too with Georgia? Because you just said it's hard to have two teams in for from a conference and one of them not being the conference champion, which, I mean, Miami, right. I think they could find themselves just in because, I mean, Alabama beats LSU, sure. Might not even be in the top 25 by the end of the year. And then they beat... Uh, Mississippi State, who probably be in the top 25, but not be 16 top, range. Right. But, and then look at Miami's wins. They beat Virginia Tech. Um, they also beat one other top 25 team right now. Um, they beat North Carolina State. And yeah. so those two wins are better than I think any win really Alabama has had. I mean, LSU, it was at Alabama. Right. And LSU has no quarterback. All they have is guys that running back. But you look at if Alabama, Alabama, I think the premier wins, LSU, uh, Mississippi State, and then if they beat Auburn. And if you look at those three wins, and then they lose to Georgia, who's a top 10 team, I think you got to put them in. Now, you don't put... Like I said, apparently beating Auburn just guarantees you a fucking spot. Dude, in, the in Auburn, though? Playoff. I mean, Clemson played them at the beginning of the year. At Clemson, when Auburn and they only won by eight points. Exactly. So Auburn is the fucking shit. Auburn is. I guarantee you, you throw Auburn against Clemson right now, they beat them. I'm taking Clemson in that. Really? If it's in a neutral site game, neutral site. I'm taking Clemson because their defensive front line is no. It's dirty. In my opinion, the best in college football. Yeah. And I just think that. If given the time, Dabo, even though he's a jackass, would find some way to drop a plan. But you look at that, Gus Malzahn, one of the best offensive-minded coaches in college football. i take that back. I'd probably take Auburn. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, but now we look at this. We haven't talked about Oklahoma really at all. There has... They... Fuck off. They probably... I had to listen to his drunk ass say <gasps> boomer about a hundred oh, times. Great. Floating in between fucking napping and watching the game against Ohio State. But they, I think, have the most impressive wins so far. Yeah. I mean, at Oklahoma State, TCU, at Ohio State, and all these games, they've won by pretty... Not convincingly, but pretty well at the end. I think each game more than... 10 points. Right. 10 points or more. Yeah. If Oklahoma goes to the Big 12 championship game, more than likely they'll play Oklahoma State again. Rematch of a high-scoring game, 62-52. to 52. I would take Oklahoma State, but if that happens, Oklahoma State right now, 13th in the country, and then Oklahoma's only other loss to Iowa State, who is where they at. They just dropped out of the top 25. Well, then it doesn't matter. Oklahoma's out. Right? No. No, so if Oklahoma wins out, their loss at Iowa State is a better loss than Clemson's loss to Syracuse, right? How could you say that, though? Yes, they beat TCU, but TCU's fallen down rapidly, too. They're 12th, and who has TCU beat besides Oklahoma State at Oklahoma State? Which is a big win, and I cannot argue that, but... If Oklahoma loses to Oklahoma State, oh, it's I, over. Oh, it's over. You can't justify that. But if they win out, they got to get obviously, right? yeah, yeah, obviously. Yeah. And this, the Big Twelve implementing finally a conference championship game is massive. For it's them. huge. It gets, they needed it so bad because the committee, whether they want to admit it or not, they put a lot of emphasis on conference oh, championships, yeah. and as they should. That's just what. Oklahoma and the rest of the Big 12 has been lacking, especially in the 2014, the first year. That's why TCU didn't get in is because of the lack of a conference championship on the record. So anything else you want to throw out? Any other teams maybe that right now 
aren't in the top 10 that could sneak in. I have one personally, and I think they don't get the credit they deserve. They're one of four undefeated teams in the country. you got to find yourself in the top 10 somehow if you are that. Even if you're 10. Even if you... Okay, 11th. you got to at least give them that. UCF. The Knights. The Knights. What is mind-bottling to me is last year... They struggled to win a game. I think the first eight or nine games, they were winless. They were fucking awful. Yeah, and to turn that around in one year to be sitting at nine and zero. Granted, not really played a lot of good teams. Oh, the American. I mean, it's the toughest. They probably in football. beat Cincinnati a couple they times. They did. I think they, they beat, manhandled us. They beat SMU, who's got the best long snapper in the country. Shout out Michael Sullinger. <laughs> Just throw them up there a little bit. Give them the respect they deserve. And plus, talk about coach of the year. Yeah, you, you talked about it. Turning that program around, you know, losing Blake Borles. You know, they were really good when Borles was there. They lost him, they were a shit show, and now they're back. Uh, of course, the American is the most pathetic conference I've ever seen in sports. I mean, to be undefeated, it's still, I mean, you got to give them props. I don't know how they're not getting better uh, recognition. Obviously, they shouldn't be considered for the playoff, but... Uh, Shout out to Golden Knights. I mean, keep doing you. If UCF plays a game before New Year's Eve this year, fuck the entire system. Right. And then, just to clarify, Pac-12 is gone. They have no chance. Dead. To get, they're not even close. Dead. So, shout out West Coast. You have the best weather, but you have some of the worst teams who just don't perform in big games. Any sleepers you got or want to throw out? Uh, can we talk about the team that is not in the top 40 that you're not... Counting out to make a playoff run. Who's your sleeper? Top 40. Texas Tech. I don't know. Are they top 40? I think UK is sitting around 42, so I'm going, I'm going Wildcats. How do they, they don't even make the <laughs> SEC championship game, can they? No. Okay, well. Unless the entire team of Georgia dies, and then... Then we got a chance. Yeah, so you're telling so, me there's a chance. There's a chance. <laughs> Samsonite. <laughs> wow, what a great discussion. Now we can turn our attention to a new ball... Talked about it last year, but bringing it back, college basketball, my favorite sport personally. So now, last night was the Champions Classic. UK played Kansas. Duke played Michigan State. That was a matchup of one and two between Duke and Michigan State, and then four and seven. Duke wins against Michigan State. Kansas squeaks one out against Kentucky. Any thoughts you have after watching those games? Uh, To start off, with the Duke-Michigan State game, which was great. I mean, I think those are by far the two best teams in college basketball. Uh, I think Duke, obviously, you know, they won uh, playing, uh, you know, they got Grayson Allen. I mean, that fucking kid. I thought him coming back for his senior season, he wouldn't be able to drop 35. I knew he would be good. Duke's got the, uh, the veteran leadership that a team like Kentucky uh, is lacking right now. So that's why Duke has the edge right now. But it is November. Uh, you know, by the time March rolls around, uh, I think you talk about teams that are going to compete for the Final Four. Michigan, all, all four of these teams, I think, Kansas, Kentucky, uh, Michigan State, Duke, are all going to be in the conversation uh, for sure. But Duke, I think, is going to be have the edge. I think Duke overall will be the number one seed, and they will be the number one seed throughout the year because uh, they just they look so, so sharp right now, whereas teams like Kentucky and then surprisingly Kansas last night uh, did not. Um, Michigan State, you know, Tom Izzo's team, they're going to be really good. Uh, I see them dropping a couple games this year, but they'll be top five the entire season. Uh, probably be a one seed come tournament time. But getting down to the Kansas-Kentucky game, uh, the fact that Kentucky even was in this game 
was incredible to me. I mean, you get out-rebounded by, like, 15 in the first half. Yeah, 15 to 1. And it, it, the second-chance points, I mean, Kansas was just bullying us. And to only be down by a handful of points, and then in the second half, go back and forth with them, you know, we reba- we showed some some fight in the second half. And that's what I liked about this team. You know, you got guys like a sophomore in Kalea Jones, who sucked last year, barely played. He played unreal. Uh, when guys like Nick Richards and P.J. Washington were virtually... Uh, irrelevant in this game. Nick Richards had a couple nice plays, got a couple nice rebounds. Not nine rebounds. Nine I mean, rebounds. Only, only two points though. Right. But nine and, rebounds. Yeah, I mean they went. The Cats got. Uh, they went out and rebound in the second half. Uh, obviously, they would have won the game if they could have got a, a couple rebounds late uh, with like two, three minutes to go. Kansas showed the veteran leadership to uh, be able to go after the loose balls a little bit more than Kentucky. I think Kentucky, for the most part, I went in this game terrified. I thought they were gonna look like. Uh, deer in the headlights uh, get blown out, but um, they really suck with Kansas. Kansas, a team that has veteran leadership that Kentucky severely lacks. I mean, Kentucky's uh, they bring back the guy with the most experience is Wenyan Gabriel, who I low key think is a piece of shit. Uh, but why is that? Because I just think I mean he's you just, long. You, know, you gel, yeah, he is long. You gel so. I cock. mean, it's. I mean, I'm jealous of that ten foot. Uh, that ten. Ten footer. foot is being modest. I'm thinking around <laughs> thirteen and a half, fourteen. I mean, and the girth. Don't I mean, forget about that. He literally like watching him. I mean, I'm not a racist person, but you look at him on on the camera, and he is got to be the darkest person. You can't see him. You after, can't. I mean, I literally had to like squint and be like, "Are they showing a locked character?" On, after like, seven video o'clock, game? all you're seeing when you look at him is eyeballs of the pupils and teeth. I mean, because you sure as shit aren't finding him. <laughs> I mean, the dude. I mean, he got props to him. He got in shape. I mean, he was a twig last year. He's still a twig, but he got in better shape. He can play defense, but you know, I don't want the ball in his hands. But but you talk about that's a guy Kentucky's got the most experience with. I mean, Kalei Jones you bring back, but he didn't play at all last year. Uh, so you look at this team. I think we showed some fight. I think Kevin Knox is going to be the guy until we get Vanderbilt back that we're going to give the ball and say, go score a point. Uh, you saw that last night. Kick him ball. Uh, our defense, pretty good. Uh, we're talking about a November team. Uh, from the first half to the second half, I think definitely showed the difference. I mean, first half wasn't playing that great of a defense. Right. Yeah, we had like block shots, but wasn't rebounding at all. Right. But second half, rebound a lot better and still up the numbers with block shots. And then Hammy is stealing the ball left and oh, right. Dude, he, I mean And I love about this team is they're so long and athletic. They're gonna get so many blocks and steals. It's gonna be so fun to watch them defensively come come mid season. Uh, I can't wait for it. And uh one other thing I gotta say is um we need I mean, we're obviously not going to have all these freshmen come out and ball every single game, but we need at least two guys every game that we can count on. Uh, and I think the guys that we're most going to say is it's going to be Kevin Knox, obviously, until we get Vanderbilt back. I thought it was going to be P.J. Washington. He had the less, I mean, probably one of the most irrelevant performances I've ever seen. I mean, he reminded me of Scalabi Sierra. Two I mean, points, two rebounds. And he, they double teamed him in the post, and he... Panicked. 20, every 24, time. 24 minutes played. Like, I need something out of you. I mean, that plus minus, what is that plus minus? Do you have I, I don't. Uh, but that's, that's got to be awful. I mean, he did absolutely nothing last night. You know, I think Quad A Green didn't play great. Uh, I think he'll, he's the best shooter we have right now, which kind of sucks. Really? I mean, who Knox else? was really Knox stepping could, up. Yeah. And he was doing it not even catching and shooting. He was doing it sometimes off the dribble right. and just stationary too, which is pretty important. But you, you talk – all right, you could say Knox, but Quad A Green, I mean, we don't have Baker obviously. 
I Shea think, Alexander can shoot, but I think he's going to be so inconsistent. Who that. runs the offense better? Who would you rather have a point guard, uh, Green or Alexander right so, now? So right now, I think defensively, you got to pick Alexander. Uh, defensively, the kid's a monster. Uh, yes. But offensively, I think he had five or six turnovers last night. He's very careless with the ball work. I think Quad A runs the offense a little bit better, but I think Quad A can't play defense, and that's tough. That's tougher to teach in a year as a freshman than it is to not turn the ball over and kind of run the offense better. So I think Alexander throughout the year is going to run the offense better uh, just because of his skills on defense than Quade. And, I mean, we know how much of an importance and how much Cal stresses defense, especially right. with these young guys and these games. He talks about effort, and if you want to play, you got to play defense and you got to show you're willing to do that and show the hustle plays. What I tweeted last night on Twitter was – that I thought Knox and Diallo were going to step up and show that these two are our go-to. Knox did that in 37 minutes of play, so he was playing a shit ton. Yeah. 20 points, 7 rebounds, and then Hammy, 14 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists, just doing it everywhere. He had a poor shooting night, though, 0 yeah. for 3, 4 and 11 field goal-wise. Only 30 minutes, so he got some rest, too. Right. What? Was big was Sasha stepping up. Yeah. Almost had a double double yeah. with nine rebounds, eight points. If we can get some consistent play out of him, get Vanderbilt back when we can, and then mix in other players like Wenyan, like PJ Washington, like Richards, stuff like that. Right. The depth there is good because foul trouble was a question last night too, and we we need as many big bodies and oh, yeah. guys down there as we can get just because of foul trouble and, like you said. We're going to need people to step up at least two. So the more bodies you have, better chance of somebody at least being able to do that. My thing with the point guard situation is when Bayard comes back, I think whoever is playing the like lesser between Green and Alexander, they fall back to third in that rotation and find it pretty hard to come back. And I think... To find their way back in the rotation, I think that turns into a Tyler Eulis, Isaiah Briscoe situation yeah. where they're coming back for their sophomore year. Which I would love that because all three of those players are pretty good, and yeah. I would love to keep them around. But just you know, saying. It's hard to make predictions this early about who's going to come back. Uh, I honestly, if I did put money on it right now, I would say all three of those guys are coming back. The thing about Baker this year, I don't know what the timetable is. He just had surgery. He went home. He hasn't been practicing, been with the team. I don't know when the timetable is for his return. So bringing him back in midseason, probably around, let's say, January, February, I mean, it's going to be tough to put him back in the lineup this season, especially when you consider you, you figure Quade and uh, uh, Alexander is going to be getting better as the season progresses. I think it's going to be hard for Baker to enter the lineup, but he's, I mean, if he's the real deal shooting, like people say, I think he can find a way in the lineup. But next year, I think he's going to be huge uh, as a shooter. Uh, I think. You know, I hate to be looking uh, at next year already. We've only played three fucking games this year, but next year's going to be fun to watch. I think they got so much talent coming in. But this year's team, uh, I am, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing how they progress, and I think it's going to be a fun year. Uh, I can't wait for it. So now we move on to some other top ten teams. You have Arizona at three, and then the Trojans from USC showing, hey, they're not just a football school sitting at ten. Dono, you know anything about USC basketball? Uh, it's a hard no for me. And I don't know anything fucking either, so let's move on to Arizona. Arizona gets a good player. I, It's slipping my mind right now as a freshman, but the junior, their best player I think right now is Alonzo Trier. 
my whole thing with Arizona, I don't imagine we're going to dive too deep in this, but I'm pretty sick and tired of Arizona getting these high rankings, winning some good games in the regular season, stuff like that, and then come tournament time just severely underperforming. I mean, last year they did make it pretty far in the tournament, but the way people talk about Arizona, they should be Final Four teams almost every other year, and they're just not doing that. Whether that's on Miller, the coach who sweats his ass off, who sweats sweats more than some of his players. It should be illegal playing. for him to wear a white shirt. Illegal to wear a white disgusting. shirt. Just wear a wife beater, honestly, if that's what we need. <laughs> wear the wear the freaking sweater, the jumpsuit, zip up. Yeah, Bob but Just do that. Black. <laughs> it's slimming. It doesn't show sweat stains. Yeah. Do that. Do you have anything to say about Arizona or anything like that? Uh... Not really. The only thing I have to say is uh, that is definitely the Sean Miller effect of just getting all these recruits, having a pretty good uh, regular season, and then blowing it in the first couple weeks of the tournament. But I will say, I'm just looking forward to uh, Arizona getting in trouble uh, when this NCAA violations come down, uh, whenever that's happening. I think Arizona's fucked, so... So now we get to talk about a team that is pretty close to home for you, obviously. We mentioned it earlier, Cincinnati, big fan. They're at 12th in the country. Let me know something about them because I know nothing about the Bearcats. This team is a typical Mick Cronin team. Uh, they play defense like no other. Uh, they, but this year, I mean, usually they have a couple good scores. Uh, they really uh, average around uh, high 50s, low 60s, which isn't great. I mean, they always play brutal basketball games to watch, but this year's team's different. They got a lot of depth. Uh, they got a lot of playmakers that can score points. Uh, Jerron Cumberland, Evans, uh, you got the uh, Sacred Heart transfer, Kane Broom coming in, who can just ball. Kyle Washington Sr., transfer from NC State. Uh, you got, and then you got guys like, uh, coming off the bench, uh, um, names escaping me right now. God, that, that's frustrating. It must not be that very good. Justin Jennifer. Uh, he he got, just made that up. His last <laughs> yeah, that's a fake name. His last name's Jennifer, so he must be close. <laughs> he got a fresh new haircut. That's why I couldn't recognize his name. Uh, that makes you no sense. You couldn't recognize his uh, name, but you couldn't recognize the guy in person. <laughs> Fuck you. Cool. This team, they, I mean, they put up 100 twice. Of course, they're playing... Uh, Fucking nobody. They're playing uh, the blind school, like you said, or I forget what they're called, but... To be fair, this they team, played West Carolina. West Carolina, I Savannah even, State. I didn't even know. I didn't know that was a place either. Is there? An, there is a fucking East Carolina. Yeah, there is. Every yeah, Carolina East is no, covered. There's a North, South. Yeah, I mean, Carolina all, isn't even that fucking big. So no, I know they it's don't need. They don't need that though. many teams. They don't in that region. They don't. Uh, I mean, fuck. They could barely fill a North Carolina stadium. They don't need fucking six teams. Regardless, Cincinnati this year is going to be very good. Uh, uh, Seth Greenberg picked them to be in the Final Four. A lot of people are uh, picking them to be a, a Sweet 16 Elite 8 team. The problem is with Mick Cronin, uh, kind of like the Sean Miller effect, has a really good regular season, can never make it past uh, the Sweet 16. So we'll see this. If I mean, I think this year, if you're talking about a UC team that's going to do it, this is the team. Because I, I have to ask the question, what other UC team is going to be this deep, this experience, uh, have this much scoring? Uh, the question will probably be never, because this is Mick Cronin's most talented team. I think people are sleeping on Cincinnati. They got a pretty tough schedule. They play teams like UCLA, Florida, Wichita State twice. Or uh, so I think it's going to be interesting to see Cincinnati this year. And don't sleep on my Bearcats, people. All right. And then in the same city, Xavier. I know you hate them. Fuck them. Go. Does you know anything about them? I only know one thing about them. Uh, yeah, they're pretty. They're good. Uh, they've been good for the last five years. I mean, the thing about the difference between Cincinnati and Xavier is the way the the coaches run it. Uh, Chris Mack gets top ten recruiting classes every year. Mick Cronin never gets like top thirty classes. So the thing is, 
Xavier always has this talent. Uh, they play in a really tough conference in the Big East. Uh, the fake Big East, but it's still a really good conference. What the, the Big East? They resurgenced. Right, the but East. it's it's still really great. It's a great conference. Yeah. But uh, it's nothing like the one that Cincinnati ran. Uh, ran. Ran. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so the only thing I know is about Xavier is in a closed scrimmage over the offseason. They lost Ohio State. Yeah. Chris Holtman coming back. I'll just mention a little bit about them. They're going to make the tournament after missing it the past Two or three years, Holtman is coming in. He's already got some people from Butler, where he came from, that switched their commitment to Ohio State. And you know how he recruited at Butler. Just a lot of gritty kids. Oh, uh, yeah. Keelan Martin, Ballard product. A lot of white guys. Yeah, well, his, one of his best players, honestly, Keelan Martin, a Ballard product from Louisville. He progressed him so nicely from freshman year to senior year that he was in contention for... Well, I don't know what division conference they're in, but he was in contention for their player of the year. What a lot of people don't know about Ohio State is Kate's uh, Diop. He was out all the entire last season. We really missed him. He is the only uh, guy to average two double-doubles in the first two games for Ohio State since Jared Sullinger, the fucking goat from Ohio State. What in the Big Ten... Miles Bridges has that player of the year wrapped up. Right. It's pretty hard. But Ohio State has one of the best players in the Big Ten on their team with Jay Sean Tate. Doesn't really shoot the ball that well. He does shoot a good game to game. Inside, he's a monster, and he's only about 6'5", and they got him playing the four, and mainly the three, but sometimes the four, and how tough he is and how just rabbit he is on the boards. I think he finishes either second or three in the voting for Big Ten Player of the Year. So just keep an eye on that. Watch them be a tournament team. And then going on off of the whole who's going to win Player of the Year, all this stuff, Notre Dame has a preseason All-American in Colson, who I think is going to be so just slept on. I mean, he is an All-American, but I think he has Player of the Year potential, and I just don't think he's going to get the recognition he deserves in that race. But just something to think about. Moving on from that, we look at Louisville, a hometown team who was 18th after getting rocked with the scandals after losing Rick Pitino. He passed the polygraph test. He did it. But how do you think Louisville is going to rebound with pageant, first-year coach, kind of getting thrown into that? Not really being the coach, having anything. He's going to implement and run the same system like Patino did, just right. not as well, I feel like. Right. Any feelings you have on Louisville? Well, I feel bad. Uh, honestly, I hate Louisville. But I feel bad for their fan base. Uh, they've been getting the shaft. Uh, they obviously made the right decision to move on from Jurich and Patino. To throw Pageant in there uh, with a team that, you look at Louisville, this is probably the best team they're going to have for the next couple of years. I mean, they have they have some talent on this team, but the problem is, you said the coaching. I mean, they're going to run a Patino-esque like style, but it's not going to be done as well. And they've shown some struggles early. I think Louisville is a team that's going to float around the top 25, but, I mean, they're not going to do anything special this year. And it's going to be a depressing year for Cards fans. Um, honestly, I mean, you got to feel bad for them at this point. I mean, their program is such a dumpster fire, such a shithole, that uh, you almost feel sympathy for them. Uh, they're going to lose again to uh, – it doesn't matter who Louisville's coach is. Uh, Patino, uh, you could even uh, bring in fucking – Bring back Denny Crum. Denny Crum. I mean, it don't matter who the coach is. They ain't being Cal Perry. He's like, what, 10-2? Yeah, he only won two games. Yeah, so, I mean – 
feel bad for Pageant. They're going to get rocked in Rupp Arena. It's going to be a rough year for Cards fans. But they got to they got to figure out what they're going to do with the Yum Center, dude. They can't even they can't even get people in that stadium. Concerts. concerts. Lots and lots L- of literally, concerts. Literally. Concerts out the ass. See, you think the hover around top 25 and have maybe a a letdown of a season. I think it goes com- the complete opposite way. Really? I, they have so many games on their schedule that would help them boost their resume and give hope to their fans. They're going to have to play Duke. They're going to have to right. play North Carolina. Right. They're going to have to play Miami, who's 11th in the country. Right. And then they're going to have to play other teams like Virginia Tech that are pretty good, not that great. They're going to have to play teams like Georgia Tech and then North Carolina State. Teams that might not be consistently in the top 25, but a hard-fought wins if they do up winning it. And then Ray Spalding, a Trinity product, fuck the Rocks, but he's a good freaking player and a hell of a guy, like, good guy, honestly. I wanted to hate him, and I just couldn't. He has progressed so well from his freshman year. He's added weight. That was a little knock on him. He was a little skinny, a little thin in bones, but... He's progressed. Then VJ King, I like how he plays a lot. And then one of the most slept-on players in the ACC and the entire country, Dang Adele. Just what I said when I picked up Adele's last album, Dang. (laughs) I think he is going to play super well. So you think they're going to have a bit of a letdown. I think, honestly, they could flirt with being in the top 10 the entire year. But like you said, they're... Calipari is going to bend David Pageant over, spank oh, him wait. a couple times, and just win that game, I think, pretty handedly. So now me and Donna are going to dive into a little bit of some sleeper teams we have. My first sleeper team is St. Mary's, the Gales. I have been a huge Gales fan since the year before Della Vidova was a senior, so his junior year. I forget exactly what year that was, but I even ordered a couple shirts, a sweatshirt. I was big into them. I still have that sweatshirt. It's somewhere at home. St. Mary's, every year being in the West Coast Conference, they only have about four marquee games against BYU twice and then against Gonzaga twice, and then normally those two teams are guaranteed to meet in the Western Conference Championship game in Las Vegas. St. Mary's returns a lot of good players. One player you have to look at at guard position coming back from last year is Nar. He dribble drive penetrates so well, but what else he does is, well, shoots the ball and he gets other players involved, runs off screens like some of the best I've ever seen. And then you also have to look at Landell, the center. St. Mary's has had a reputation of having pretty good centers with uh, Waldo, who lost the tooth in the game a couple years ago, kept playing. Landell just goes, fills that position very nicely. In their last game, Nar had 22 points, 5 assists, 3 rebounds. And then Landell, 20 points, 10 rebounds. Uh, Landell, 28 minutes played, Nar. 37. Nar played a little bit last year, got some experience. Now it's pretty much his team. He's got the keys to the castle, and he's playing well. My other sleeper team that every year, I guess, they're kind of there is Baylor. They're 1-0 right now on the year. Um, In the Big 12, they have winnable games, big games against Kansas, Texas, West Virginia. I'm sure I'm probably forgetting another team, but Baylor, they'll hover around. They'll probably have a good regular season and then fall flat in the play, in the uh, tournament like they have in the past couple years. But right now, those are my two sleeper teams. And then I don't know anything about Seton Hall, but they just caught my eye. They're 22nd in the country. So yeah. look for the Pirates out of Seton Hall. Donovan, throw me some sleepers. 
Uh, I got two from the SEC. I think the SEC, uh, people sleep on it. It's going to be a much better conference than it was last year. Obviously, you talk about UK and Florida. But the two teams that I'm looking out for are A&M and Mizzou. You talk about A&M, they just beat a really tough West Virginia team. Uh, they blew them out, actually. I mean, Tyler Davis coming back, Gilder coming back. I mean, those are two studs. A&M always gives Kentucky hell. They're going to give them hell this year. And I think uh, they'll probably finish second or third. I think they're going to be – them and Florida are going to be competing for second in the SEC this year. And then Mizzou. Mizzou's a really talented team. Uh, they haven't been good in a long time. But I, I look for them to uh, run about fourth in the SEC and uh, I think come up with some big wins. I'm not actually sure off the top of my head if they play any uh, – uh, big games that are non-conference. I mean, they beat Iowa State pretty handily. I think Iowa State's pretty down this year, though. Yeah, they're pretty shit. But, uh, yeah, I think that Mizzou has a lot of talent, and they should be pretty fun to watch this year. Uh, there's a couple teams in the SEC that are, that'll be fun to watch. You know, you got Colin Sexton, Alabama, makes them a, a competitor in the SEC. And then, of course, you got, um, uh, Bruce Pearl and, uh, Auburn, who looks to be a competitor, but now they look like a dumpster fire, and I was really looking forward to seeing them play, but they're, they're not going to be any good this year. I was kind of looking forward to seeing Bruce Pearl back, but unfortunately, I don't think that's going to happen. Now, moving on to NFL talk, there's no rapid-fire recap this week, because we are pretty deep in this podcast now. I don't know how long it is right now. We're on the 1,944th bar, so unfortunately, no rapid-fire recap, but next week, the recap theme is back, and it is going to be movies. No idea what I'm going to say about that just yet, so if you have any ideas, feel free to shoot them my way. So now let's get into NFL talk. First game of the week, the Titans at the Steelers on Thursday Night Football. Titans at 6-3, and three, Steelers at 7-2. and two. Thoughts on this? I know this is probably going to be painful for you to probably give some the Steelers some props if you're even willing to do that, but go ahead. Uh, the Steelers, I mean, they look really good. Uh, obviously, they look really terrible, but they can look really terrible and still beat uh, a team on the road. I mean, the Colts are a shit show, but uh, the Steelers are really good. Uh, the Titans are also pretty good. Uh my Bengals fell to him this week, um, but uh, prediction is it in hide? Is it in the catch-up? It bottle? is at the Steelers bottle. will win that because uh, the Tennessee they're due for a loss. They should we should beat them, but we suck. So they they escaped away. But Pittsburgh, honestly, like them and the Patriots, man, they're the two best teams in the AFC. I the only other storyline I need to look at this for the Steelers is Martavius Bryant came back last week. They tried to work him in on the offense. The second play of the game, Ben threw an interception, but looked for him on a deep ball. They ran a couple reverse not reverses, but jet sweeps for him. He did catch the uh, two point conversion that got the Steelers from fifteen to seventeen. That ultimately ended up them all they had to do was kick the field goal. So handled his suspension well. Didn't request a trade after this game, so that's pretty good. Don't think they're going to bench him this other week. Juju Smith-Schuster is, I think, now the number two. And Martavius, he's three, but if you look at the years the Steelers have won the whole thing, their slot receivers have played huge roles in it. I mean, when they won it in... 
2005, I believe. Antoine Randall-L was huge for them in the slot. And then, I mean, they shifted Hines Ward there too, moved him all around the field. And then Mike Wallace was the slot receiver as well when they won against the Cardinals. So their slot receivers are important. Ben looks to them a lot. So that's my other big thing. Martavius just has to embrace the role that he has. The Steelers with the killer bees, we can hopefully finally add Bryant to those killer bees. And if their defense keeps getting better and keeps adopting that Ben don't break mentality, Steelers win this one, I think, continue to just get better and better on the year. So the Pittsburgh Feelers win this one on Thursday night. Next game, we go to the Minnesota Vikings, where the Rams are going to play them. Both teams sit in 7-2. Both teams, I would say, a surprising 7-2. Yeah. Both teams at the top of their division. Rams, Jared Goff, the way he has progressed from last year to this year, he finally learned where the sun rises and sets, <laughs> and it sets on his beach house that he has just posted up at with two fine honeys and all his millions and a good quarterback rating finally after his dismal last year. On the other hand, the Vikings, Case Keenum, he is just so so I guess I want to say a magician, honestly, because yeah. he just finds ways for this team to win, yeah. whether it's a little dinking dunks down the field or throwing deep balls to Thielen and Diggs, who I think I love Diggs as a player. And then they have now the two-headed monster with Latavius Murray and yeah. Jarek McKinnon as well. And their yeah. defense, I think, is the best in the league the, right now. Their defense is so strong. And so the Rams' defense with Aaron Donaldson and then right. Quinn and other – I don't know any other cornerbacks, but apparently they play pretty well too. <laughs> Just what do you – prediction on this game? Uh – This is tough because I like both of these teams. I want to see both of these teams do well. Um, I love Mike Zimmer. He's probably my favorite NFL coach in the league today. I'll go with the Vikings just because of elder uh, product Kyle Rudolph. Um, I'd say the Vikings are rolling. The Rams, young team, they they haven't, haven't faced, I think, a really, really tough defense like the Vikings, and they will in Minnesota this week. I say the Vikings win this one. Hopefully it's a good game. And golf continues to play well because I just picked him up in fantasy. Huge pickup for the squad. I just traded him away. Really? Okay, yeah. well, I guess we're yeah. two different, two different ends of this spectrum. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, I probably won't be starting him this week, but hopefully the success in uh, – L.A. continues for also, at least one of their teams. Also, you mentioned Rudolph coming from Elder. A lot of people think Moeller in Ohio is tight end U, but I don't know if they have any NFL products right now that came from the tight end position, and Elder does. So yeah, so my dick, to, Yeah, how about that? We want some more. We want some more. I'm also going to take the Vikings just because I think the receiving core is better than what the Rams have, and I think they end up making a couple big plays that the Rams receivers don't. This next game, I'm going to let Donovan take the lead on this one. He probably has a lot to say. Uh, His favorite team, I feel so bad for him. The Bengals go to the Broncos, both of these teams at 3-6. and You just go ahead and let me know when you're done. I mean, can you talk about a game that's going to be so miserable to watch? Denver stinks. We stink. It's going to be sloppy. You got Dalton and... The Brockett ship Osweiler. It's going to be miserable. The Bengals, I honestly, at this point, I hope they lose out. Uh, They're such a dumpster fire. Marvin Lewis is the worst coach in football. I'm so fed up with this fucking team. The ownership, the players. I mean, I mean, if I would have told you last week, I should have made a prop bet because this is probably up there. 
what would happen last week? Marvin Lewis would make a stupid ass post game conference. The Bengals would blow a game, a lead with three minutes to go. Uh, Dalton would play awful, throw the ball out of bounds when AJ Green had a chance to make three touchdowns down the field. John Ross didn't get any receptions, and Vontez Burford got thrown out of the game, which is exactly what happened. And the Bengals suck, and I'm so tired of watching them every Sunday. Uh, I think the Broncos win because we're not winning in Arrowhead. Or not Arrowhead. Mile high. It's going to be ugly. I'm honestly, it's 4.30. It's just going to ruin my Sunday night. And I hate my life. So there's that. I will say, though, some positives for the Bengals. Especially Pac-Man Jones, uh, Burfitt, and any other Bengals players that like to smoke a little ganj. Guess what's legal in Colorado? Marijuana. Hell so yeah. You can go right ahead and light up a We're blunt. We're back. Hit a bong or two for the boys. We are back. Um, honestly, I'm gonna. I'll take the Bengals in this one. I think AJ Green, what has been the highlight of the season so far for you all, AJ Green and his ability to murdering to choke to choke out people. Love it. So I'm gonna be actually. I'll. I'm not pandering to the guests. I just think that. It's about time Mixon shows up, and I think. Well, he, dude, we don't, we don't have a no line. I don't care the how dynamic and everything that people said he was out of college, and he he was. He li- is. He's, had, at, he's li- been the one shining star of this Bengals team. We have the worst offensive line in the league. He see the thing. And is, we don't give him. We give him the ball ten times a game. See the thing is, he, you say he's the shining star, and he's been dog shit. So he hasn't what if, been dog shit. Oh my goodness. Look up every single NFL reporter. You can look up the stats. Fine. Go ahead and look them up. The, the we, stats? That's all you need at numbers? When we, have three, we have a three-headed running back because we're so smart. Well, three-headed my ass. They that's give, what I'm saying. They give Jeremy Hill the ball like twice. Now, Giovanni first, Bernard gets five. And then Mixon gets ten. ten. Okay, well, there's 17. Your backs need more touches than that. No shit, dude. That's why Marvin Lewis and uh, Bill Lazor, offensive Mastermind Bill Lazor. They're so bad, dude. This team has no hope. We're gonna we have guys like AJ Green and Mixon. I think Mixigan is the best running back drafted of last year. I mean, people talk about Hunt. But Mixon in the future is going to be the Bengals' future. But we haven't been able to run the ball in three years. We need to figure out this offensive line situation before we can count on Mixon going in so much like you want him to. Okay, you said about ten times a game. He rushing attempts has gotten 107 attempts through 10. This will be the 10th game, so I just rounded up to 10. 107 divided by 10. That's 10.7 carries that's, a game. That's sack math. Right okay, there. but let's say this right now though. He on those 10 carries, 107 for the year. He only has 321 yards. That's abysmal. That's fucking awful. And three rushing touchdowns. So whoop de freaking do. Like that's not anything to really be super excited about. I, I will say this. We just started giving him the much t- most touches like last week. So he was sharing the first five, six games. He should have been getting 80% of the Steelers game. He didn't even touch the ball in the second half. Didn't even touch the ball. The Bengals are so mismanaged, dude. It makes me sick. The Dude, give us, give us time to get this offensive line, and then we could talk about Mixon being good. Give us some time to to get a new offensive coordinator. When Hugh Jackson gets fired this year, bring him back in. We'll be back in two years. But I'll be honest, this team just needs has so many holes right now that we're not going to be able to run the ball. I mean, when we go out and draft top ten picks like Ross, who hasn't even played this year, uh, it, it should, dude, we just suck. There, there's just too many things going wrong with the Bengals right now. 
that I just get sick talking about him. I hope we lose out, uh, go three and thirteen, and get the a top three pick. So that's all I have to say. about Okay, that. top three pick. Who do you take? Do you do you go O line? We have to or go O line. Do you, okay. I was gonna say, is it time to move on from Andy Dalton? Oh, I'd love to, but we're the Cincinnati Bengals, and Mike Brown, we will not do that. <laughs> Dalton will play out his contract. What I'd love to do, trade. Dal- we should have traded Dalton this year, gave McCarron the range just to see what we had, and then drafted a quarterback if he stunk. Okay, how much do you think you get back for Dalton, though? Like, I think right a- now, considering the amount of teams, I mean, look at Buffalo, dude. I mean, the fact Buffalo keeps giving up on Tyrod Taylor, I hate that. He is Buffalo good enough. Be, he's a good enough starter. To Buffalo start. would be a team that I think would bite on the Andy Dalton trade and give us a, a at least a. I ask for a second or third round pick. I mean, we were about to get a second round pick for McCarron. A second and a third, correct? And y'all fucked up. Well, you, I, I, see, you said we. It's all on the Bengals. No, it's not. No, I mean the sci- Bengals bungled like they bungle sci- everything else. Scientific fact: it was they both were just they're both terrible franchises. We both fucked up this trade. Okay, now we're just gonna not even gonna, we're gonna take this a one take thing. Now we're gonna move on to the Eagles Cowboys. Yeah, I bet Mike D'Alfonso. Shout out my big best big in the game. I bet with him $10 a game that the Cowboys would beat the Eagles both times. If I win both, I owe him 20. If we split even whatever, I'm going to keep rolling with that just because I, I need that $10 right now. There you go. It's at the Cowboys, which I think helps them a little bit. Eagles with Wentz surprising. I think how good they are this year. Wentz making that jump from first year to second year. Normally there's that sophomore slump. It has been the sophomore Slide right up, I guess. I don't fucking. The sophomore, <laughs> is that what they call it? The sophomore shoot up yeah, the rankings because yeah. that's what go. he's got. I like I said, it's at Dallas. I think Dez is going to need a big game. I think Terrence Williams is going to need a big game. I think that defense is going to need a big game. Dak's going to need a big game. Who is going to be the bell toll back for the Cowboys? Alfred Morris. Look, look, look for Rod Smith. Oh, I just no. Yeah, Rod I just picked Smith. up Alfred Morris. He is carrying the Cowboys. The fact that that is even available in your league—that's bold. You play with friggin' I don't know. I was gonna say ten people. Well, ten people. I was gonna say the. I arm. picked him up last week before it was even a hundred. Okay, I was gonna say last week. That's yeah. fine. But if you picked him up this week, you're playing with. I'm not gonna say it, but a bunch of. I mean, you could shout out uh, my East Maxwell house for uh, that group because not not the best. Shout out Connor Carico, uh, very bad fantasy player. Uh, we have we have a bet going on. The winner has to determine what Carico is going to have to do. He's currently sitting at two wins. Uh, so Carico, just be. I want you to think about that uh, late at night when you're going to bed. What you're going to have to do for losing this league? It's not going to be good for you. Party at Uncle Rico's. Yeah. Now the last game, the Monday night game. We got the Falcons, 5-4. and four. They need a win badly to stay up to date in the NFC South. Going to the Seahawks, who also need a win here pretty badly to keep up with the Rams. I I really don't like either of these teams. Yeah, neither both of them are so inconsistent, and both of them just, they should be better than they are And every week. They just leave how questionably good they are. It's so hard to tell. I'm getting sick and tired of Pete Carroll's shit. Every year, it's no offensive line. Make Russell Wilson do everything. This defense, I think, has only gotten worse as the years have gone on. So let's rely on this defense, a shitty O-line. Let's make Russell Wilson make too many plays. 
Let's let Marshawn Lynch retire, and then let's just get worse and worse at running back when the strength of your team when you were good was running the ball. How about you go out, draft some O-linemen, sign a big contract with some O-linemen, get a halfway decent running back, bring back Trent Richardson. I think he's got some mileage left on his legs, and I think a uh, resurgent up there in Seattle could be what he needs. I said it. He's playing in the Canadian Football League, and he's been dominating. Falcons, on the other hand, could be without Devontae Freeman, but luckily they have Tevin Coleman from Indiana to step up in his Thank second God. year. He's he's a better Joe Mixon, honestly. Oh, better. He's one of the best dual threat running backs, honestly. Like he can catch the he ball is, well. Yeah, he is really good. I think he's right up there with Le'Veon. Probably Le'Veon one. I right off. I can't think of two, but I'd say probably two or three is Tevin Coleman. Honestly, I'm gonna take. I guess I'll take the Falcons in this one just because. I think Matt Ryan connects with Julio for two touchdowns in this one. And Austin Hoopa has been playing pretty well these last couple weeks, and I think he finds the end zone. And whether Freeman's there or not, I think the run game for the Falcons is going to be good enough to add a complimentary piece to their passing game. And the Falcons win. Wrap up this week for us, Dono. Uh, One game we failed to mention, but I would just want to shout out the – Oakland, my boys, my boys in black, the black hole this week, have New England come in town for the last time. Oakland, of course, is moving to to Las Vegas. Uh, I think Oakland balls out this game, shocks the world, starts on a run, wins the AFC West, wins the AFC, and goes to the Super Bowl. Jesus Christ. And that was my uh, Donovan's bold prediction for the week. Okay. I I think the Raiders lose... One more game this year. Yeah, I think the Raiders are going to... Preferably... I like the Raiders this week, but if they are going to lose a game, I'd say preferably this week, and then they win out, finish at 10-6. and Probably not good enough to win the West. Probably not. Good enough for a wild card, and anything can happen in the NFL any given Sunday. So that's our two bold predictions on that. So that wraps up the NFL talk for this upcoming week. And that is going to do it for episode 27 of Carson Sack Podcast. As always, I truly do appreciate you listening. Um, As always, like, subscribe, review on iTunes. Dono, I know you have a blog that you put out. If you want to talk a little bit about that, go right ahead. Yeah, basically just uh, talking about UK sports, Cincinnati sports, and then everything in between. Uh, I post them on my Twitter. You can follow me at... Donovan, that's D-O-N-O-V-A-N 513-H-E-S on Twitter. Much appreciated. And Carson, thanks for having me on, man. This was a blast. Yeah, no problem. I like how this show went. Probably have you back on in the future because I like to have... Recurring guests. I like to have somebody to bounce off because it is hard as fuck to literally entertain people for 50 minutes. So, as always, I want to thank you all for tuning in. It truly means a lot. I'm going to put this out uh, like the Facebook, like the Twitter, and then most importantly, honestly, like the Instagram post that promotes this. I can't thank you enough for listening. And as always, like we end every episode of Carson Sack, we will be seeing you.